Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We are at NRB National Religious Broadcasters. We're on the third floor of the Gaylord Opryland Hotel on the balcony of Andrew Nordstrom, our technical director's room. Such beautiful a sweet view. Room. Beautiful view. Oh, I'm going to miss this room. Well, I, I'm kind of sad we're leaving tomorrow and I never really got to explore that much. You still haven't gotten your Cinnabon either, and I can see it. Tomorrow right morning, there. it's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. I can see that Cinnabon right there. So, uh, we've got a great interview coming up yeah. with David Browning and his son, Elijah. David is in music here in Nashville. Elijah is with the American Ninja Warrior Circuit and a way bigger stud than I thought. Yeah, we're gonna I, we're gonna give Elijah top billing. I'm gonna I'm gonna start over and say, we're doing this interview with Elijah Browning, and uh, yeah, this is Dad Dave too. Yeah, but you know, because he's 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 they're both they're both studs, and and they're both super humble about it too, which is crazy. The um, you know. Hearing that interview, you know, I was listening in as you guys were doing that, and and you know, Dave's like, "Yeah, it was cool that you know helped get Katy Perry's career off the ground, and it was cool that I you know got to work alongside you know this this actor, you know, just it, tons of stuff." And and he's pretty cool about it, nonchalant, cool yeah. customer. And then say Elijah, who you know very much his, his you can tell his dad and mom have raised him well. He's he's so well spoken and, and really humble, but big stuff, right? I mean, he's getting stopped and asked for pictures and in airports, and it's just amazing. And the, the uh, ninth the ninth finisher last ninth season place, on yeah. American Ninja Warrior, which I didn't know that much about that, and I didn't know how big of a deal that is, but now I do. Yeah, very yeah. cool. We just rewatched that episode with uh, with them, which was it was pretty cool, uh, and uh, yeah, to see him on. Uh, uh, on the screen there in the second to last episode of the season, getting that close to being the the, the winner uh, as a 17 year old man, uh, that's it's amazing. I think this interview will make a splash with people who are fans of A N W. Is that what it's called? A N W. Yeah, that freaks me out because the A N W I know is like the root beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, A N W like A N F, but A N W. One of the things we want to say on here is just invite anybody if you know anybody who you think we ought to interview on the cc podcast conversations we've just cranked out like 10 or 12 interviews in the last two days yeah we're gonna have a ton of content i think we want to make a commitment once we get back from nrb to be doing an interview that we release it once every three weeks or so and we do get a lot of recommendations and honestly not all of them fit what we're trying to do and so if you're okay with us not following through on your recommendation, uh, we'd love you to send it in and, and kind of let us decide if it fits or not. Because yeah. one thing I learned here, Andrew, is there's so many stories. I mean, people walked up to our table. Oh, yeah. Now, granted, a bunch of people walked up to our table who we kind of said, now, nah, this isn't really going to fit what we're doing. Right. But there's a few that we would have never known about 
if they hadn't just walked up and said, "Here's what I'm about," just about all, yeah, just about all of them that we that we had yesterday and today, uh, just blown away by that, blown away by that. And one of the things I love the most about this is we're just the guys, kind of behind the scenes. We're not the, I'm not the American Ninja Warrior stud. I'm not the singer songwriter that Casey Bethard is, Mm -hmm. or the stud that David Browning is. I'm just the interviewer. But I love being able to be the guy that gives these people's stories a platform yeah. so that they can have the impact on other people that they've yeah. had on me. Well, and, and, and honestly, it's, 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 it's a blessing to hear you do these interviews. You have a, uh, you have a gift of being able to pull those details out that, that help tie it together, that help kind of bring people, um, you know, bring the story back home and, and, and help them kind of recognize, wow, God's at work in that person's life and that guy's life. And what's he doing in my life too? And yeah, so it's it's been great to hear all the interviews this week, and appreciate that totally. And obviously, we can't get this done without you, who cranked out <laughs> a ton. I mean, we have flipped these things around. Like yeah. this interview, we just finished, and it's probably going to be up three, four hours after yeah. right. it was completed. Sure. So uh, great work to you as well. We should we should say we should say thank you uh, to uh, to Nazareth Church for. Uh, they we got a grant from technology grant from them uh, and uh, without them uh, you know we'd be working with older equipment the the uh, equipment that we we were able to get through that helped us uh, crank these things out quickly and efficiently so appreciate that Nas. absolutely hey enjoy this interview check out the other ones and a few of these I I think every one of them the Lord's going to use to bless some people but some of these are going to be like you know, peel you off the wall st- type stories. Absolutely. And so obviously you're not going to sit down there and binge like 24 hours worth of content, which is about what we've got right now from this <laughs> last week. But uh, come back and come back, share it with friends, help us kind of expand our reach, not for the sake of our own name, but for the sake of God's name, for his fame and for the sake of the gospel. And, and thanks for tuning in. Amen. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. Tonight I am with David and Elijah Browning. We're going to learn a lot more about them in a second, father and son. Uh, But before that, just uh, this is crazy. We're on the third floor of the Gaylord Opryland Hotel on a balcony in kind of a jank setup. I think Andrew took a picture, so maybe you'll (laughs) see a picture of it. But, I mean, this is quite a place. It, it sounds like the ocean, you know, so if, if people are, yeah. like, hearing that, you know. Yeah. Such a cool place, though, for it real. Is. I was asking him if he stayed here, and it's like, of course he hasn't, because you guys live here. That's right. That's right. Have you ever done anything over here? Uh, it's been years ago. Uh, like music stuff? Yeah, but, but a long time ago. It's kind of like, you know, if you live near the, the mountains, you never go to the mountains. Yeah. That, that's kind of the way Opera Land Hotel is for us. It's yeah, like, exactly. I've well, probably been here three or four times, right? So... I tell you, like if you're coming, you better bring your wallet. <laughs> because Andrew was just saying, like he got an espresso. Thank God I don't drink that stuff. But uh, four seventy five for like a shot oh, of what, yeah, what yeah. cost Dang. two bucks at Starbucks. I hear you. Right. I hear you. And that there's a Cinnabon right down there. Oh yeah. And I first saw that the first day. I was like, I got to get that. And I haven't made it over there. So tomorrow yeah, morning. It says $27 for the cinnamon. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be terrible. Um, 
so the way that I got connected to David is just really providential. That's right. And I'm going to tell that a little bit to kind of connect people. And, and uh, David has a career in the music industry here right. in Nashville from Missouri. Yes. Elijah is his son. Elijah is a big time young up and comer on the American Ninja Warrior circuit. Is that the right way to say it? Or yeah, on the show? American Ninja Warrior circuit, American Ninja Warrior show. It's kind of like two separate things. We can get into that for sure. But yes. Awesome. And so uh, a few years ago, two, three years ago, I'm the director of the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, which if you're a regular listener to this program, or if you know about our ministry, you know that we partner closely with them. It's uh, going to be 101 years old this summer, uh, Bible conference that uh, we bring speakers to and musicians to for about eight days every summer. And I just became the director in 2018. I think in 2019, we brought Avalon. And Avalon, what was your role with Avalon when they came? Yeah, so I've been their keyboard player and music director since 2008. So Were, were you on the keys that night? Um... I don't believe I was that night. So some nights, if it's if it's more track oriented, or Jana, the the lead singer, is uh, doing a piano set or something, they don't need me. However, I was in Florida last week and they couldn't get me off the piano. They needed me for the whole time. Yeah. So it, it just really varies from event to event. You know, of course, if we're doing a big tour and lots of dates, full band and all that, I'm, I always joke that I'm the Paul Schaefer, like off the the David Letterman, Letterman show. show. Uh, you know, and that's my role. Or yeah. if, if we get called to go play in Paris or in Brazil or something, I'll go a day or two early. We'll find a band wherever those folks are at. I'll whip them into shape for a day or two. They fly in. We do a show. Yeah. And then we're out of there. Yeah. So that's kind of my role with them. So you must have showed up as the road manager yeah. for that show. Yep. And, I mean, I was new to that, whatever. You made it very easy. And I just remember kind of we didn't spend a ton of time together. Nope. I mean, you were in and out pretty quick, yep. but I just felt like there was a, a click or an That's affinity. Right. That's right. We talked about some political stuff and we yep. kind of talked about some other stuff. And your dad, maybe he's just this kind of guy where everyone feels like he's their friend, you know, after he talks <laughs> to him for like five minutes. Um, but I remember specifically when you left that night, you just said, hey, Matt, I, this was great. And what you're doing is great. And and you weren't bragging or anything, but you said, I've been in Nashville for like 25 years and I basically know everyone or have connections to everyone who you'd be interested in. And so if there's anything I can ever do to help, let me know. Well, usually when people say that, A, they don't mean it, or B, they don't plan on anyone following up on them. To, <laughs> true. And, and <laughs> That's true. And so, but, but then about a year later, we had the idea to bring Michael W. Smith in. That's right. And I was trying to get through the red tape to whoever I needed to talk to, to Michael W. Smith, and it wasn't going anywhere. And so I was like, there was that David Browning guy who said he knew everyone in Nashville. Let's try him out. <laughs> and so I reached out to you. You were gracious to get us connected to the right guy. Smitty came to the Bible Conference, which was amazing, a, a huge amazing. event for us. Yes, yes. In fact, I, I was able to interview him for this podcast. Wonderful. And so if anyone wants to hear that episode, it's the same place where you're hearing this podcast right now. And uh, so then... Then one thing led to another, and we decided to bring David and a group of worship leaders from your church in Thompson correct. Station. That's right. To lead worship for our whole conference yep. last year, which yep. went very well. We Love we loved it. Yes, we loved it you, too. That's what you say. I mean, yeah. I hope that's true. It is very and, much so. And if it's not, then this deception is getting them. 
in a lot of trouble because they're coming back this year. So. That's right. And everybody is so excited. I mean, if, if you're lying to us, you're going to be I, like, how am I going to let him know that we don't really want to be here and now we're committed for the second year? No, it's so interesting. We, uh, everybody who comes up, you know, with me uh, in, in that worship role, first of all, they love to worship and, and it's all over them all day, every day. They just can't get away from worshiping. And second, they love people. And so we had such a great time up there being welcomed, but feeling like, man, people were really hungering for worship. And, you know, it, it took a day to figure out the demographics and all that, all the normal stuff you would do. Yeah. But after that, it was like, okay, these are the songs that are going to feed them the most. Let's do that. And by the end of it, it was like we were all fast friends, realizing we're going to have eternity together. We're having a lot of fun now, you know, yeah. and, and it's great. Well, and, what was interesting about that, a couple things, is this Bible conference is an older style Bible conference. And we're really in a transition where, you know, we want to draw in a younger generation, but we want to do it in a way that doesn't abandon right. the people who've been around. That's right. And, and I mean, from a purely music style standpoint, I myself probably fit in the younger demographic, right. but I've got an affinity for the older music That's right. just myself. That's right. And so I understand that kind of tightrope yeah. that, that we're trying to walk. It is. And uh, the way that you guys navigated that with your song selection, the way you did it, I had a few people who I thought were going to be the people who were going to come chew me out mm -hmm. for getting rid of the old gospel whatever style and bringing in this band with drums and guitars <laughs> yeah. who, who came up to me by the end of the conference and said, Matt, that group you brought in was awesome and then i was oh, able to tell them i think they're coming back next year they're like awesome good good so the other story so we were supposed to have a because we still want to bring different genres in that's right and, and i mean there's no so it had a long rich history with like southern gospel type music and we're going to continue to bring in groups like that from time to time um and there's a group called the rick webb family mm -hmm. that's a kind of a family gospel group and they were scheduled to do the opening concert on Saturday night at last year's conference. And a bunch of the people who love gospel music were really excited about that because it's like, okay, we haven't thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Right. We're still going to honor, you know, some of the preferences of right. folks who've been around for a while. And uh, I got a call the morning that they were supposed to be in concert that night said, we're all sick with this crazy virus not COVID, but they could not make the trip. That's right. And so we have no concert. So I called you. I'm like, David, you guys are on your way up here. Is there right. any chance you can like throw together a concert? Because these guys yeah. bailed and it's either you or nothing. And I'd rather have it be you. Yeah. So you guys came off the van. Yeah. Threw a set we things had, up. We had like an hour to an hour and 10 minutes to prepare. If that. Yeah. Yeah. Like and you hadn't been to your hotel yet. You no. dro basically drove through the night or uh, yeah, got up way we, early we got in the morning. Way early. Yeah. And Lindsay had flown in partway. So she met us, you know, there. And we're, we're literally calling her going through songs and arrangements and who's going to sing what and, and working <laughs> out keys on the way up there. And this isn't like a worship set of like 20 minutes. We're talking an hour and a half, hour and 40 minute concert, you know? <laughs> so we're talking a lot of tunes and who is going to lead, who is going to talk where, all those things, you know? And, and, and so then the people, there's no way for us to get the word out nope. that the Rick Wed family's not coming. <laughs> and so we don't look like them. <laughs> or sound like them. That's right. And so people are showing up expecting the Rick Webb family and I 
get to get up on stage and say, oh, sorry, they're not here. And here's this other group, which, I mean, you guys did a great job, but it just wasn't what was right, expected. Right. And so to, to have that kind of a start yeah. and, then, and then to have it turn into what it was the rest right. of the week was right. just praise the Lord for well, that. Well, and, and absolutely. And I had been through enough of those situations before where you get thrown into stuff and all you can do, you can sit and complain or you can be like, okay, those are the cards we're dealt. What do we do? And so at the end of the night, just, you know, being fully open here, everybody comes off stage and they're like, oh, that was terrible. I said, no, it wasn't. We know exactly what we need to do tomorrow morning. And by the next morning, we did a good worship set. We could see people Which was up. amazing that yeah. you're able to shift and pivot That's that That's right. Quick. And it, it's like, these. this is where we need to go. And these are the arrangements. I'm going to go to the hotel and I'm going to make some medleys of hymns and all that. And by Sunday night, 24 hours later, it was like we were the heroes again all of a sudden. It was great. <laughs> so you, you just have to pivot. You have to pay attention to the congregation. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know... I often talk about fishers of men, you know. I love how God or Jesus used that example because of Simon Peter and all the fishermen. Yeah. And and if you think about a fisherman, he doesn't go out there and say, well, I'm going to put a plastic worm on here even though I know they don't do it, and I'm going to slap that plastic worm on top of the water and they better get it. That's not how you fish for men, you know. Yeah. You have to go where they're at. You have to... Contextualize your Yeah, approach. you have to meet them where they're at. And so we have to do the same thing musically in a worship setting so that you know our job is to draw them closer to Christ it's not to show off it's not to be the very best musicians it is for us to get out of the way through music and be completely invisible so that they're 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 hitting the throne and that's it you know yeah. we don't exist and i often tell guys at church on Sunday, some of them want to overplay. Some of them want to do cool parts and all that. And I'm like, the moment you do something and you take the focus off the singer and what they're saying, you failed as a worship leader up here yeah. this morning. So be careful. You yeah. Know? And that's the approach we take. So that's all kind of background. So now we know that we're coming down here for the NRB convention. It's Nashville. And I'm thinking, who do I know in Nashville who I could line up to do interviews that would be cool for this podcast ahead of time? And I'm like, well, David, he's got yeah. some cool stuff. And Elijah, he's been telling me about his son doing this crazy Ninja Warrior stuff. And so thank you so much for being here. <laughs> it took him a while to find the, the hotel room because this man. place is an absolute maze. This place is huge. Yeah, yeah, it's like 147 acres. You know. <laughs> Do you guys know how many rooms are in this hotel? I have no idea. Take, it's a, take a guess. It's got to be 2,000 maybe? 2,200. Oh, jeez. Unbelievable. The convention center is the largest convention center in America in a single location. Wow. And uh, it's got about everything you could hope for except a bottle of Elmer's glue, which we needed glue last night. We had an Uber to get glue. They no. probably had it, but it was $17, you <laughs> yeah. know? <laughs> so. Yeah. That's so awesome. uh, we're going to continue with you, David. Yeah, sure. Um, just... Tell, tell your story. I yeah. mean, your faith story. How'd you get to Nashville? Absolutely. How'd you get passionate about music? We might kind of dive into some of the cool connections and cool things that you've Absolutely. done professionally. Yeah. But go yeah, for it. I, I grew up as a farm kid in northeast Missouri, you know, about an, uh, 35 minutes from the Iowa border, 50 minutes from Illinois. So, you know, I, I knew Iowa and Illinois as much as I knew Missouri. And, uh, you know, probably about age four or five, my mom was letting me play on the piano. She'd play little duets with me. And she, finally, she's like, hey, do you want to take piano lessons at age six? I did, you know, went on, played saxophone in school, become a saxophone major in college. And I knew 
uh, even at that point, that I was going to play professionally. It wasn't going to be like, hey, I'm going to go play, you know, on a bar band on a weekend or anything like that. And my folks are like, oh, wait a second. You know, if you want to do music, teaching would be a really stable, good thing to do. And I was like, no, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be touring and all that. And I just knew deep down it would happen. I didn't know when, but I knew at some point that seed had been planted, you know. And uh, when I was like 24, 25, God uh, hit me up and said, you're moving to Nashville. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm comfortable in Missouri. I'm doing stuff. You know, I'd probably gotten to a point where the nest was pretty comfortable and he was about to kick me out of it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, was dating a girl at the time, didn't want to upset everything. And he's like, no, you're going to go. And finally, I argued with him and said, OK, great. I don't have a job down there. I don't have anything musically lined up. I don't have a place to live. And all of a sudden, that afternoon, I get a call from an acquaintance down there. He's like, I know this sounds really crazy, but, you know, if you were to ever move to Nashville, I mean, we're looking for a roommate, you know, coming up maybe in the next month or so, you know, if you know of anybody. And I was like, okay, that's a little strange. Um, And then all of a sudden, uh, later the next morning, so like 12 hours later, I get a call from the music director from this artist named Al Denson, who was on Benson Records. Remember Al Denson? Yep, absolutely. And he's like, hey, our keyboard player is split. Your name has been coming up around town. Would you like to go tour with us? I was like, yeah, sure. What year would this have been? This was 1995. So that's kind of Al Denson's sweet spot. It was. He he had just come off a huge record and uh, was putting out a new one. Tell me, can you remember, I'm thinking of one or two Al Denson songs. Yeah, uh, let me think. Uh, Will You Be the One was a huge ballad. Will You Be the One to answer to the call? That's it. That's it. That's it. And. I can't remember many of those, yeah, that's, that was I think the that's big what one. I'm thinking yeah, of, yeah. yeah. That was his free bird, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, that happened. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, I'm seeing God say, hey, you told me if I'd line these things up, you'd move down. So at that point, I'm like, I can't really argue with this. So I packed up everything. Two weeks later, I'm moving down to Nashville. I, you know, worked a day job for like three months before the tour was started. It? I was a waiter at Red Lobster. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I did that for like three months. We did a week's worth of rehearsals, and we were out for 100-plus shows with Al. And then that led into uh, other tours with Greg Long, Lisa Bevel, uh, you know, uh, Beyond the Blue, Tony Vincent, uh, and all that stuff, and then started. So these 100 shows, like, you know, we used to, in Minnesota, we would go up to Sunshine, yes. the music festival. yes. Or different Christian shows. That's I mean, right. Were you doing those kind of things? Yes, I played the Sunshine Festival the summer of '97 with Al, and I uh, bet we were there. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was us and Three Crosses, and I forget who else, but we were all we were all there doing our thing. You yeah. Know? So it was great. Um, and then I found myself, you know, my real love was producing, songwriting, working on records, and all that. And those opportunities started coming about, you know, and so. All of a sudden, I found myself getting flown to Los Angeles to work with one of the biggest songwriters of our generation, Diane Warren, who had had Unbreak My Heart and When I See You Smile and all these huge number one hits. Yeah, let know? me tell, interrupt you and tell you a cool story. Yep. Um, so all these people like you are like kind of like unsung. You know what I mean? <laughs> like off the... Yeah. Because no one knows your name. That's right. No one knows... I don't know who Diane yeah. Warren is. Yeah. Tuesday night, Jen, my wife's here with us. And we're like, 
looking at the schedule, Stephen Curtis Chapman was at the Grand Ole right, Opry. Right, right. And, I mean, we're kind of country music fans. Yep. And it's like, let's go check out the Grand Ole Opry. So we got tickets, sat in the front row. It was way cool. And we're there to see Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's the Grand Ole Opry radio show, so he's only going to play two or three songs. Right. And there's a bunch of other artists i never heard of and from different genres that I probably wouldn't typically listen to. But it was all very good, and it was cool to be there. Right. And you're going to know this name. I might have even told you. Yeah. But, but I, we're in there, and Bill Cody, who's the MC of the thing, right. and on WSM Radio, he's like, okay, you know, we're going to have this guy come sing, and he's reading all his accolades, and he's got all these, like, top songs. He's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Don Schlitz. It's like, okay, everyone claps. And Don Schlitz, who I haven't heard of yeah. ever, yeah. walks up to the mic, and he just like, None of you guys know who I am. Like, kind of, what are you? Why are you clapping? <laughs> you know? And uh, and he goes, but you guys know this song. And he he said, which I wrote when I was 24 years old. And he played the Gambler, which yeah. was recorded by Kenny Rogers. I later found out that Johnny Cash even recorded it once. Yep. But for whatever reason, the one that we know is the Kenny Rogers one. And it was easily for me the highlight of the night yeah. and worth the price of the ticket. That's right. To see the guy who wrote, wrote The it. Gambler That's come right. out and sing it. That's right. And it totally shocked me. And it, it, it reminded me of something that you're alluding to, which yeah. is you're saying these names yeah. who are like the people behind the music That's we love. Right. That's right. And no one, I'm not saying no one no, knows No, no, But compared true. to Kenny Rogers, That's exactly no one knows right. who Don Schlitz is. That's right. That's right. I mean, it, it, it really is, you know, the artist is the tip of the iceberg. All the engineers, producers, players, the songwriters, the publishers, and all that underneath that make the whole machine go, you know, I mean, the artist is just the face of what the song is and the voice of it. And so even you, like, being the keyboard player for Avalon. Yep. Or, I'm a nobody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and so to me, it seems like it takes a certain person yeah. to fill that role and be okay oh, yeah. not being the spotlight guy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually, I often joke that in the studio, I'm the guy who likes to be on the other side of the glass, working the machines. I like being the mad scientist as opposed to the one who's doing the singing or being the artist, the one on stage. Do you think you were always that way? Or did you have grandiose dreams of being a big time guy? And then you came down here and realized, you know what, that's only for a few people. It's not for me. And so I'm going to give up on that dream and do this other thing. Or were you always aspiring toward a kind of a out of the limelight role and you're totally cool with that from yeah, the beginning that's that's exactly right I, I never had aspirations of being an artist I love the the madness of making a vocal sound good in the studio or what gear to use or how why, does my voice sound right now it sounds really good <laughs> I've been noticing mine sounds really thin and nasally so there you go man uh, it never ends I'm sure it's you know? the settings on this it, dumb thing it's great Th- this this Roadmaster thing <laughs> is like uh a recording thing for, yeah. for complete idiots, and I still it's great. haven't mastered it. It's but. <laughs> great. It works perfect. It works perfect. But no, I, I mean, I, th- this is where I love talking about the body of Christ, because yes. if everybody is the eyeballs, well, where's the hands that are going to make everything work? And if you don't have the feet, how are how's the body going to move, you know? So for me, I, and, and this is, this is again, where we often talk about, you know, good is the enemy of great you know and so often we settle or find ourselves in a role that God didn't fully intend for us to do he may say yeah that's a periphery of of what I've called you to do or the seed I've planted in your heart but 
that's that's taking away from the true identity I have for you. Yeah. So um, so for me, I knew my identity was behind the scenes, and I love being a serving leader that way. That's you know, awesome. It's it's fun. You've been around the block enough down here, yeah. uh, in the music industry, you have to have seen examples of people who who don't have that perspective. Yeah. And who just because there's not enough rooms. Yeah. for everyone who wants to be in the spotlight it's, to be in the spotlight. And so they're kind of in the back, but they're continually yeah. clawing it's for tough. the front. It is. How does that play it out? Is. It's very difficult. And you see a, a lot of bitter people because of it, you know, and it's, I, again, the moment you allow God to say, hey, this is your identity. You know, God will let us do what we want to do. You know, there's examples of that even in, in Romans 1 where he said, you know, this was this was their heart, so I took my hands off of them. Gave and, them you know, over to that's their right, depravity. Gave them over. And so I, I take that very seriously where it's like if, if you know, some people say it's being out of God's will, I, I don't look at it that way as much as God's saying, you know, it's kind of like when... when you know, it's like we tell our children the stove is hot and they keep acting like they want to touch it. It's like, don't touch it. And finally you're like, yeah, they're going to touch it at some point. You yeah. know, And then the moment they do, then you're there to help them. You yeah. know, and I feel yeah. like that's the way God is, where it's like you're ready to give up. And it's like, OK, God, I just I quit. I give up. I'll do what you want. And he's like, OK, now that we're there. Yeah. Let me show you exactly the plan I had for yeah. you. And then you're like, oh, my heavens, I didn't realize that was going to be perfect for yeah. me. So. So uh, I, I just attempt to avoid as much as possible going down those roads of aspirations that do not line up with the giftings and the seed that God's planted in me. Yeah. So, so uh, along with the things that you've done, you're out writing with Diane Warren. Yeah, yeah. You're we're doing, doing all of her demos and stuff. And then the next week I'm flying to, to New York to work with Sony and working behind the scenes on Celine Dion and Jennifer Lopez and Mark wow. Anthony stuff for their new, new albums. And then I'm back in Nashville working with this new young artist nobody's heard of, Katy Perry, when she was 15 years old and spent three years, you know, developing her as an artist and stuff and doing a Christian record on her at the time, you know, and stuff like that. So there's all those cool little moments, you know, uh, but it again, you know, uh, I love, you know, the path that God has for us. Sometimes to get to Chicago, he needs you to go to Omaha and the yeah. process, you know, yeah. and and the moment we, we yield to that and let it happen, man, what a great ride you get to experience to the destination. So lay over the top of that, just yeah. kind of your faith journey. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Were, were you, I mean, I don't mean this, yeah. like, were you solid from day one? Or no, well, you... it's interesting. I, I remember waking up, it was June of 1979, I think probably around June 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. It was a It was a Sunday morning, and I woke up and I was like, oh my heavens, today's the day that I get saved. It was a radical, I looked around the room and there was peace and joy. I, I can't explain it. Did you have a background in, in the faith? Uh, yeah, I mean, my mom used to take me to church. My dad was always working cattle and pigs and stuff, so he never took me, but my mom would take me. You know, so Sunday school, all the normal Southern Baptist stuff, you know. Yep. Um, but, you know, also when I hit college in early 20s, I was like, well, I've always been a believer, but what's the rest of the world about? So I, I found myself falling away for a while. And then I had a point where I was like, huh, so that's what the world's all about. I don't want it, you know, yeah. and kind of from early, early. Did you say where you went to college? 
Well, I attempted to go to two different colleges, uh, what is now known as Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri. Northwest Missouri? Uh, Northeast Missouri. Northeast, yeah. Went there for a while, and then I went to Mizzou for a little bit, and college just wasn't for me. I mean, Elijah and I were talking on the way here how math and some of those things just don't compute in our heads, and that's okay. Totally. And and that's our thing, And, and when we get to Elijah, that's the thing that I'm excited about is listen, not everybody has the path and the gifting of college and then a job and all that stuff. So you just pushed a button and I need to say something here. Go for it. Um, We're having the same discussion with our son. He's a senior. Yep. And so when your dad and I were young, there was kind of this expectation or this stigma like if you don't go to college, yeah, you're a nobody. You're a deadbeat. You, you yeah. like, like the people who are idiots yeah. and aren't going to be successful in life. That's right. Don't right. go to college. That's right. And so, I mean, I went to. I have a master's degree, yeah. and, and I hate school. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and whatever. The Lord took right. me down that path. I met That's my right. wife at college. That's right. Praise the Lord for that. That's right. But what I love about today is that uh, a couple things are happening. One the curtain is being pulled back on higher education to a degree where we're seeing that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Correct. Which there was always this kind of blind, to use like a a cow path. That's right. That's right. Just a herd mentality. Go to college. Do your thing. That's right. And so the conversation we're having with our son is, listen, if the Lord calls you to something that requires you to get a college degree, Awesome. Then let's go to college. That's right. That's right. But you don't have to go to college just blindly with no plan and spend 80 grand or That's 100 right. grand That's right. to find yourself. That's right. And and you can, I mean, honestly, if I was a young guy today, I would take it as a challenge, I think. So, you know what? I'm going to show some people that you can do just fine yeah. without that garbage. Yeah. That's right. And, and that's, I mean, the other thing is, is what's going on on most of our campuses right. is just anathema right, right. to what we're trying to I be agree. about as Christians. I agree. And so I love that the culture around that has changed yeah. so that young guys like you and my son have permission to not go to college and not feel like a loser. Right. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and, and forgive me for interrupting. One thing that I pray every day with my kids whenever we're in the car, I'm like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I pray blessings over them. I pray that God will reveal their giftings, giftings to them, yeah. give them the wisdom of Solomon, give them the heart of Christ, and to show me how to be available to equip them in the giftings that God has yeah. given each of them and, and to support that. Now, if that means that you know God says, hey, I need him to go to the army, I'm petrified. But I know that God... It, that's his purpose and reasoning, and yeah. I have to deal with that. Yeah. You know, um, if he says, "Hey, I'm going to spend two years in Florida mentoring under a great businessman who's made millions of dollars," I'm like, "Okay, if that's where the Lord has gifted you, yep. it will be obviously known. Follow it." You know, I love it. So, so college, and then what? Yes, uh, you know, then uh, moved to Nashville, did all of that. You're telling um, your faith. Oh, kind of faith. Story. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. So yes, uh, when when I moved to Nashville, it was it was really awesome because being in the Christian music industry, you're you're around a lot of amazing people who are on the same journey as you. You're also seeing a lot of the behind the scenes that's not necessarily as 
clean as a whistle as you would expect. Even in the know, Christian music industry. Even in the Christian music industry. Yeah. And so uh, you, you learn how to maneuver all that. You know, you stay true to your faith. Um, you know, for me, uh, probably when I got down here, I came down by myself, you know. And so it was like, okay, all I have is the music that's coming up and I have God. And that's it, you know. <laughs> and so I leaned in. I had some great friends who... Uh, you know, have led me on journeys of, you know, hey, try this book, The Pursuit of Holiness, or hey, mm. let's do this Bible study together that's, uh, you know, about manhood and masculinity and how it's proper in the Word and stuff like that. So really areas to press in in ways that I hadn't learned early on as a kid in a very legalistic, hey, we're going to sing the same four hymns every Sunday, right. first, second, last verse type thing. So, uh, <laughs> So it, it, it's been a wonderful experience, you know, and a lot of the, the guys that I moved here the same year, same time, we've all kind of moved up in the ranks and, and uh, you know, it's-, it's I wanna go back to something you touched on, um, which is kind of the underside of the Christian music industry. Yeah. Um, a couple things, one is there's a few people who I've known who've come down here and seen it from that right. perspective. Right. Uh, and another experience, we there's a, a music festival we used to have in Cedar Falls that was led by another guy, but I kind of helped once in a while. And it was like a 24-hour music festival over New Year's Eve right. to New Year's Day, and maybe uh, 12 or 15 Christian music groups on like two or three stages. And you got a glimpse of like, and I, I understand, listen, we all have bad right. days, right? right? Right. And so if you got a snapshot of me on a bad day, right. you might leave with a conclusion that of this course. dude is a fraud. Of course, of but, course. But there are some people that are just like, no man this is they're not representing this well and what i've learned is that there is some who have seen the christian music path as an easier path than pop music or country music so i can make my million dollars easier this way and i've never really intended to be a true believer it's just the the easiest path now yeah i'm going to ask you to speak to that in a second sure but on the other side um, i mean one of the reasons i was so excited to have michael w smith at the bible conference this is a dude who has stayed True yeah, yeah. for decades. That's right. And, and and not just putting out like good music and right. changing a little bit with the times, right. but his faith and his true orientation has been to Christ right. the whole time. Yeah. And that's so admirable, especially over the course of, of decades. Another guy um, who, uh, Tim Rosenau plays guitar for Toby Mac. Yeah, yeah. And he's from Cedar Falls. Right. And the things I hear about Toby Mac are just like, this guy is yep. the real deal. Real deal. It truly is about the kingdom. Yep. Yep. It truly is about Christ. Mm-hmm. And knowing a few of the anecdotal things I know about the belly side, the underside of the Christian music industry, it makes people like that even more inspiring. Right. Let me say one other thing before you comment on this. Um, when you brought Avalon, and even when you brought your worship band, one of the things that struck me is just how down to earth everyone was right and how like not prima donna ish people were yeah and and you even went out of your way to say man we are easy going i mean we want to do whatever you want us to do and of course we're paying you to do this right uh that's appropriate but it's not this like hey the rock stars are here everyone (laughs) step aside and that's right you know what i mean that's right yeah so i mean yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I often use the analogy of let's say you and I were on uh, the battlefield, you know, and we're we're trekking along, and all of a sudden you get shot in the leg and you go down. 
I don't look at you at a soldier and say, well, stupid, you got shot, good job, way to go. You know, my job at that point is to pick you up and get you out of harm's way. Uh-huh. Um, there are definitely people in the industry who choose to sin willfully, and there are some who are just terribly struggling. So I've, yeah. I've really attempted in, in my older years here to take the approach of, I want to find out what's going on. I want to be available to them. I want to pick them up. I want to pray for them. I, I, I want to do something tangible. Let's go grab a bite to eat. Let's talk. Let's let's hang out. Do you need me to cry with you? What do you need? As as opposed to uh, just letting them go, you know? Yeah. And so that's that's kind of been my focus. There's definitely folks who, like you said, hey, this is an easy route and means to an end and all that. I've seen that plenty of times. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people struggle with their their sexuality. I've seen people who have egos beyond measure, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it definitely happens. It's there. All I know to do is uh, to, you know, be true to myself and who God has called me to be and in the same time hope that my the way that I conduct myself is an influence to those around who don't feel the same way and yeah. maybe, you know, have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, so what would you say in your music career? Now I'm thinking about like from a worldly lens, Yeah. what are a handful of the coolest things in your mind that you've been part of? The number one coolest thing. And this happened about six years ago. I asked, I got asked to go play keyboards for uh, a Christ for all nations event in Ghana. And wow. Christ for All Nations with Reinhard Bonnke uh, years ago had this, you know, I mean, he, he was kind of like the other Billy Graham, so to speak. And so Daniel Kalinda, who came out of the Brownsville, Texas, big revival thing in the 90s, has now taken over for Reinhard. Reinhard passed away a year or so ago. So anyway, we go over there and we find out we're playing in a landfill. So literally, they have the stage and all this, much like a summer festival. It's in a landfill. It smells like sewage. There's goats running around eating the trash. There are little fires everywhere. There's these nasty little huts everywhere that we realize that's where people are living in this landfill. And they've taken dozers in the week before and cleared it out. It's the in that area, the number one, like, Muslim area. And we're not talking, like, kind People. We're talking about people who would behead you if you... Militant yes, Islam. Enough so that the army of Ghana and the police force in that area will not go into this area. Jeez. And we've got to lead worship for four nights in a row there. And so the first night... To Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly. Not, not to no, no, it's Jesus Christ. And so we're there. And the first night, it's like 95,000 people. And we're watching people getting healed. People who have never seen before are seeing. People who have never walked before are like, walking. Like legit. Not legit. Like, not and, like whack out. And it's funny because the rest of the band and I were like, those have got to be plants. We No, this can't be real. This can't be true. Because we're skeptical. You know, well, we're, and, and the stuff we see in America in large right. part is yes. whack. That's right. That's right. So the second night we go back. There's about 125,000 people, so 30,000 more than the night before. Word's getting out. There's this big thing. Jesus is showing up. People are getting healed. More healings, more more deliverances of demons. I, I mean, I'm seeing all this, and I'm like, I can't, I can't believe this. I'm weeping because I'm like, I've ne- I've read this in the Bible. I right. I just didn't know it happened. So the wow. next night, you know, 250,000. The the last night. What? 
420,000 people on the last night. And they're singing and dancing in the middle of the smelly, sewage-ridden Like So I'm landfill. an Iowa Hawkeye football fan. Dude. And I'm going, that's six Kinnick stadiums. Yes, yes. And they're all screaming at the top of their lungs and singing. I mean, it's like louder than the PA system. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing. And we're all just sitting there, you know, like what are we a part of? And literally, I remember coming home from that and for the next three weeks, just bawling my eyes out every day. It was like postpartum. It's like, yeah. we're all like, we want to be back there. We, wow. want, we want to be in the presence of the Lord right there. As bad as it smelled, you know, you couldn't drink the water in the area. All, all those things that we take for granted as people of the United States. And, and we're like, we just want to be there. We want to be worshiping this way. And if that is just even a a glimpse, a scratch of the surface of, of what we're going to have in heaven, I mean, it, it it it's just hard to fathom. It was mind blowing. So that's that's been my that's favorite. number one by far. Number one by far. What else is on the list? I mean, um, it's been fun to follow Katie's career and you know realize we're we were a very big part of that early on. Get it off the ground. Yeah, we we see her from time to time, and she's always like. Oh my goodness, how's your mom and how's all this stuff? And oh, I miss this, that, and the other. I mean, she's not forgotten where she's come from, you know, and that's been cool. Um, I mean, I, I still get to work on records with all of my youthful he- heroes, you know, growing up, the people I heard on the radio, and now I'm sitting in the same room with them and they're asking my opinion like, on something. Like, and, I mean, uh, golly, guys from Toto, guys from Winger, you know, I yeah. mean, all these bands that I grew up loving. And they're asking my opinion. I'm sitting over here like, you got to be kidding me. And I never thought this day would have it. So it's, you know, working with Diane Warren. I mean, she is the sole songwriter of her company, and she's worth over a billion dollars as a songwriter now. And it's like, this is everybody's legend and hero in the songwriting world. And here I am demoing her songs and saying, no, you need a key change here. Are you sure? Would that work? Yeah, I think it would. And I'm like, I just told Diane Warren what to do with her songs. What am I thinking? You know, so um, it's... You know, God has has allowed me to have a crazy life. If it ended tomorrow, it's it's been marvelous, and I don't know why me. And yeah. That, and but yet I go back to the Word, and if you look, He's always used people that were, you know, less. To, it's kind of like the end of First Corinthians, the first chapter, where He talks about God uses the the less desirable and the weaker things of the world to confound the wise and the rich and yes. all that. Yeah. And so I'm like, hey man, I'll I'll be worthless for Jesus. It's all good, you know. So. <laughs> It's been a fun ride. What what has it been like for you, um, interfacing, you know, not just in the Christian music world, but in the secular music world, where there's not an expectation of glorifying Christ or serving the Lord, but here you are as this ambassador for Christ. How do you navigate that, or or how have you seen God use you in a spiritual way in those arenas? In in those situations, I just try to... Uh, I won't beat them over the head with Jesus. Yeah. I'll smile a lot. I'll, I'll uh, you know, encourage them a lot. Hey, you're doing great. This is incredible and all that. And they'll be like, you're the nicest guy in the world. Why are you doing this? And be like, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm a believer and, and I really believe in encouraging others and all that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, wait a second. You know, so it, it really does open a door just by being Jesus as opposed to talking about Well, and what's it. cool about that is they've also then seen you like be around them when they're not 
necessarily being glorifying right, to the Lord right. and they've seen you like not <laughs> judge them or not yeah, yeah. call them out or say, yeah. stop talking like and, that. Yeah, or, and, and I mean, that is the spot that they're in. Yeah. If, if they ask, I'll, I'll talk about it. But I also realize that they've not had the touch of the Holy Spirit yet and, and the Lord has not called them at that moment. But I can be the one that, you know, as Paul talked about, you know, uh, forgive me, I'm paraphrasing, you know, Apollos waters and all that, you know, but to God, God yeah, yeah, brings yeah. the yeah. increase, you know, and, and so I don't know whether I'm the one planting the seed or watering or what it is. I just have to be available. And if there comes a point in time of talking about Jesus, we do. And if not, I just try to love them well yeah. so that they question For what's sure. going on. That's so, great. Yeah. Um, uh, we're listening to a preacher who's talking uh, through the book of Daniel, and he's talking about living in Babylon. You know, like, oh, so man. Daniel gets pulled out of the people of Israel and exiled to Babylon and trained basically intentionally brainwashed and taught yeah. to be Babylonian. That's right. And he thrives as a man of God That's in right. this foreign place. And increasingly, yeah. we are living in Babylon. We are. And, and a microcosm of that is the secular music industry that you have worked in. And so you've learned to thrive in Babylon and still represent Christ, not right. give up your moral right. compass, not give up your faith foundation, but interface with people in a way that as the Lord sees fit, he can use your example, your testimony, your lifestyle right. to absolutely. make absolutely. himself known. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you know, you, you have to have fruit hanging on your tree, you know, yeah. and that's really what it comes about, you know. You, you can say you're a Christian all day long, but if you don't have the fruit hanging on the tree, it, it you know. Yes. That's the way it works. So Elijah's been sitting here for 40 minutes, <laughs> for the most part saying nothing. Um, have you learned anything about your dad in the last few minutes? Yeah, I mean, I had always kind of heard bits and parts of his story, but to hear it all laid out and stuff, that's really cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now we're going to pivot to you. Uh, so... Like, have you always been into climbing on stuff and jumping around, like Ninja Warrior stuff, or did this develop later? Where did you get a passion for all this? Right. So I had always been a kid who loved sports and who loved being outside. And, like, yes, I always loved climbing trees. I always loved jumping around off of things. But I'd always also been a kid that was, like, I'm not amazing at football. Like, I'm good enough to play on a team and stuff. I'm not amazing at basketball. I'm not good at soccer at all. Right. So, like, I played all these sports. I wasn't great at any of them per se and so when I was like five or six years old I started watching American Ninja Warrior and I was like well that's really cool you know like these guys are going out there on this obstacle course that at the time no one had ever beaten right so there's a qualifying round a semifinals round and then four stages in Vegas no one had ever beaten all four stages when I started watching the show so it had been unbeaten let me ask a question just about how that works when you say the four stages are the four stages always the same like no, is the they, obstacle course the same? They change, in, like, not entirely. They change a lot every single year. So there might be a couple of the same obstacles on each stage, but for the most part, they're different every year. In a different order, in a different... Right, and just new obstacles in general as well, right? So, like, it might be they move some obstacles around and then they add, like, some harder ones. And they never really make it easier. They just make it harder and harder every year. Okay, so no one to beat it, you were saying. Right, and so I kind of just grew up, like, having that in the back of my mind. Like, oh, that was cool, you know? And uh, I'd always watched it every year. And so when I was like eight or nine years old, 
uh, Travis Rosen, who was one of the big ninjas at the time, started doing like clinics and classes at a gymnastics gym because there's no ninja gyms around here still to this day in Tennessee. Really? Um, yeah, which is crazy, right? We've got one in Cedar Falls. Yeah, a good one there. I went and saw it last summer. Okay. So uh, some of the guys from Iowa yep. who qualified. Levi Enright and all of them, they yes. were on American Ninja Warrior right. last year. That's right. But, yeah, so there's still not one in Nashville, which I think is crazy. You all need to open one. You're an entrepreneur. I know. So I've looked into it, and, like, me and my family tried for five years, you know, kind of jumping around. But uh, it just, like, wasn't where the Lord was calling us at yeah, all, yeah, to yeah. be honest. Right. But we definitely looked into it. And I coach kids in my backyard, so I have 20 students in my backyard. Wow. Because um, I have a huge rig in my backyard that I built with my grandpa. But, uh, yeah, getting back on. So um, I started doing classes with Travis Rosen and stuff. And kind of similarly, I wasn't great at Ninja Warrior to start out. Like, I definitely was in, like, the bottom half of the kids, right? And honestly, it was more just the work ethic and that, like, I determined this is what I wanted to do. I was like, Ninja Warrior is what I want. So I literally just worked as hard as I possibly could at it, right? It was like, if I go to class once a week, I'm going to train at least four or five times a week on just whatever I can find, right? And so I ended up just, like, moving up the ranks in his uh, classes, got to his advanced class. And uh, once I got to that, I was it was around nine or I would have been ten then, right? So I was ten in this class, and it was kind of a ceiling, right? I mean, we're just in a gymnastics gym. We're not really doing anything. And I met this guy. His name was Bobby Zavala. He was probably, like, 23 or 4 at the time, right? And he was like, hey, there's competitions outside of, A, American Ninja Warrior, and, like, you know, outside of your little class you do at a gymnastics gym. And I was like, what? Like, competitions? Like, all I see is the show once a year, right? And he was Ah. explaining it to me. And so there's this whole – it was the first ever season then when he was telling me, right? So there's the National Ninja League, which is the big one. There's UNAA, NSN. There's a ton of other leagues, right? But it's a competition sport outside of the show. Um, and so at 10 years old, I was like, what? This is awesome. We got to go do it. And so me and my mom and Bobby and some other kids, we drove down to Atlanta, Georgia. This was December of 2015. And um, I did my very first ever competition. And again, like everything else, I didn't do great. So I actually, it was a two-stage comp. They're all kind of random. There's like one-stage comp, two-stage comp, three-stage comps. It all just depends on what the gym wants to do. And a stage do. has to do, like a stage is an obstacle course. Right. And then the second stage <laughs> is harder basically and then the third stage harder whatever so yep um so yeah it was a two-stage comp stage one i got the second fastest time i was like oh sweet right first competition but stage two is what matters that's what you're placed on right got it um and so stage two i ended up getting dead last and i was like (laughs) what the heck i got dq'd on the first obstacle and i was like i just went from getting second fastest time and like this was my dream to then like crying in the bathroom right because i just (laughs) lost and the owner of the gym was like hey you're in the younger age group do you want to just run the young adult age group for fun which was 13 to 17 at the time okay i'm 10 got it got it i was like sure right i'll get experience you know i want to be the best at this one day and so let's just go out there and do it and uh, I ended up getting second place in the young adult division that very same day, so like overall. What happened? I mean, was the course easier than it should have been, or did you just, like, what happened? No, I think it was It was definitely a hard course. I think it was honestly a little too hard, and the way they did, the way they made the course hard was it wasn't necessarily strength-based hard. It was more technique-based hard. Yeah. And uh, since I was 10 years old, all I had was technique, right? I didn't have ah. any strength or anything, and so I think that's what played into my strengths and all these kids that were like really muscular 16 17 year olds didn't have technique wow and so uh ended up getting second in that which was crazy and uh 
super excited, and then I just kept competing ever since then. So That's way cool. So uh, talk about your faith story. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's so cool to hear, you know, to you're very blessed to be raised absolutely with a dad like this i assume a mom who's oh on the same let me page. tell you the mom is is like you know everybody used to joke <laughs> she's the the honorary fourth member of the trinity you know she's she's amazing she deserves a lot of credit absolutely i have i have a wife like that too Pray, yes. praise the lord yes you know um people are always like reese are you married up i was like well yeah obviously of course it's like isn't isn't that the goal that's right i mean that's like, right i i don't want to be like you married down <laughs> Yeah. Like, and so I'm always like, babe, I succeeded and you failed because you married down, I married up. So like, whatever. You That's haven't it. met Jen yet, but she's downstairs. You'll meet her eventually. That's awesome. Uh, anyway, I mean, and it's just so cool to hear. I can just see how intentional that you are with raising your How many kids do you have, by the way? We have three kids. So Elijah's the oldest, 17 yep. now. Julian is, is 12. He does ninja as well. Very creative. And then Vivian is our nine-year-old and she is a spitfire man she's you great. took her to a wanna the other night or something uh were you taking her to church oh I, I had to take her to a daddy daughter dance That's so, so we get to the front door and she's like see you dad and she ran off with her friends i didn't get <laughs> one dance all night so okay so your faith story like you right. grew up obviously in this christian environment I did. yeah so i grew up going to church and everything and uh basically up until I was six, it's like just something you do, right? Of You're course, just at yeah. church and whatever. And so when I was six years old, I actually overheard a phone call. And I don't know what the context was per se. We were having like a group of people down to my grandpa's farm. So my grandpa owns a farm. And You're talking Missouri or your mom's uh, dad? My mom's dad. Which is uh, where? This is in Columbia, Tennessee. So it's about 20 minutes south of where we live. Got it. Um, so not very far away. I basically practically grew up there, right? I spent every Saturday out there for years. So I was probably 12 years old. Cool. Um, and he taught me how to build and how to do all sorts what of stuff. What kind of farm? Um, just like... He just does kind of a hobby cattle. Farm. Yeah, yeah, just some chickens, 15 acres, you know, he built a couple barns. It's just yep. more for fun. Yep, yep. Yeah, and he lives out there. So basically I overheard a conversation with him and my mom, and he's like, yeah, well, the creek water is going to be great if anyone wants to get baptized. And I was like, what? Like, what is that, right? Like, I had heard of it, but I was like, what is this about getting baptized in a creek? Like, I don't understand. And so... I basically sat down with my mom and dad that day, and from what I can remember, right, because I was six, yeah. I was like, what is this? And they explained it to me and all sorts of stuff, and I was like, well, I want to get baptized. And they were like, well, there's more to it than that. And so we explained more and all sorts of stuff, and we got into it, and I basically that day, right then, like I'm ready. on our living room couch, confessed, and I was like, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, right there at six years old. That's awesome. And so uh, that weekend, I got baptized in the creek. <laughs> At my grandpa's uh, farm. We, so. My son Mason was baptized in a pond behind our house. That's awesome. And it's the same kind of thing. I mean, yep. it's, it's, it's way cool. Um, one thing that I heard just listening to you talk when I was pushing you on, you need to open a ninja gym. For a 17-year-old kid to go, you know, honestly, that's just not what the Lord's calling us to do right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you kind of gloss over saying that, but that, that reveals a certain level of spiritual maturity to even have that vocabulary and that way of communicating and the able to ability to discern that that's way cool Thank so you. so from six years old to now i mean yeah. you're still just a young guy i mean you're just <laughs> getting started but um what, what's your walk with the lord been like yeah it definitely it was kind of you know from six to 
I don't even know what age. It was kind of still just like going through the motions. Like I definitely felt something had changed in me, but at the same time it was like, you know, still just going to church, right? And yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think actually where my spiritual walk has taken a huge leap has been in the last year, actually probably since American Ninja Warrior filmed in 2021, I'm going to be honest, is probably around March, April, May, I was like, it's crazy being on the show that I dreamed of for so long and everything. And it really just gets you start thinking about life and being like, well, this is crazy. And so honestly, after that and getting through that season, I was just like, God, you are so good. And I honestly, after that, just started seeking him more and more and more. And I started doing quiet times every day and I stopped looking at whatever social medias like I, I have social medias and I post on them a lot but I was just consumed by them right yeah. like I would constantly way look too much at time them on right it. yeah and so I was like nope I'm gonna give that up and I'm gonna focus on my businesses and focus on God and focus on hanging out with friends more and stuff like that and so really like last year was a huge huge growing up in maturity and really everything spiritually maturity wise financially even right hanging out with friends everything right and uh so I really credit a lot of that. So weirdly, American Ninja Warrior, because I think it's such a, you're, it's such a high pressure situation, and you're nervous for weeks before and weeks after, and all sorts of stuff. That it really just got that well, going in my mind. It's like it forces you to the Lord, right? Like you it can't, really does. You can't deal with, and obviously the people are dealing with it without the Lord. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who knows the Lord, it's like exactly. And so that's actually brings up a great point, and. Uh, like before Tacoma, which was the first round in March, me and my mom prayed with a lot of our friends that weren't believers. And a lot of them were saying stuff like, oh my gosh, Elijah, like you feel this every day, like this calm and this, you know, everything. And so I really got to share through that and through that experience, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So now I'm like a little old school where like, I was just talking about the Winter Olympics. Like what's all this jank events? Like, I mean... (laughs) We're like, I don't even know the name of them because I didn't even watch the Olympics. <laughs> I didn't right? even watch. But the reason I didn't watch is because it's like, like when I, I was a kid, yeah, there was hockey, yes, there was figure skating, that's right. There was some ski stuff, bobsledding. There was bobsledding and luge. Yeah, snowboarding. No, no, no. That, I, that that was really about the the majority of. And it. I mean, I'm going to lose a ton of people who maybe want to <laughs> like. I'm losing all kinds of credibility, <laughs> but. I just like, why do we have all these stupid, I, I mean, I just think they're stupid <laughs> events. And so now this is, re- this is really cool to do with a guest, but like American Ninja Warrior, I'm like, who, who is into this? Like, right. yeah. I don't get it. I, I don't. And now we got this ninja gym in our town and a couple people have been on the show. And, it, and at first I was like, this is just some, you don't know, like the X Games? Just some weird thing right, that I'm not right. interested in, like yeah. skateboarding yeah. or something, you know, thing. And but now I've learned that, and I still am not like a huge follower of it. I watched right. your stuff that your dad posted because <laughs> I was interested in it. But this is like a big thing that's like taking yeah. the 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 sports world yeah. by storm. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, the new season that you're on here is season 14. Yep. So it's. You know, and it's on NBC. It's it's a big deal. It's so now. crazy. To me. Yeah. Like I'm I'm old school. Like there's Monday night football. There's right. college basketball. <laughs> there's college football, and then who cares about the rest? That's right. But but uh, my question is just to help me and maybe some people in, in our audience. When you say season whatever was beginning to be filmed, like 
you're on every episode or what do you, what do you mean season whatever is right. beginning to get filmed? So it's a little confusing. They have like the qualifying round, the semifinals round, and then the four stages in Vegas, right? So within those rounds, there's regions. And so you compete in a certain region. And then that region gets aired as an episode. And then so there might be five qualifying episodes, usually like four or five semifinals episodes, and then like three or four final finale episodes. For the whole season. Right. So it's usually about 12 to 14 episodes a season. So when they say beginning filming the season, Mm -hmm. am I understanding correctly that at the most you would be in like three episodes? Right. Yep, you'd be in probably your at regional. The, actually, your, at the absolutely very most, you'd be at five. Five. Yeah, because I was in four last year. How so? Um, so uh, qualifying, I hit the buzzer, which is getting to the end of the course, basically. Yep. Uh, semifinals, I was aired. I fell, but I still moved on to Vegas. And then in Vegas, they aired my stage one run, which I cleared and got through. And then they also aired my stage two run. These are all in different episodes. And so how many runs are happening that we don't see on TV? Or I shouldn't say that we don't see on TV because right. I don't watch this. But, <laughs> but you are from here on out. <laughs> I am. I mean, the thing is, is honestly, once you learn how something works. Oh, yeah. Then it you'll makes be, it I, more fun. Right? I'll That's be right. way more interested yeah. now that we've had this interview. For sure. Um, yeah, so basically, how many competitors were in, in the show last year? There's 400 competitors last year. Wow. And so, and so you can't get all they 400. Don't, they don't show them all, right? So, like, to be, to be shown in four episodes like I was last year is a big blessing, to be honest with you. I was going to um, say, how many people are shown in four episodes in the whole thing? Right, probably Very 20, yeah. 20 or 30. So are you out of 400. So are you a guy who's like... I may, I may he be, is a guy. I may yes. Be sit- <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I may be sitting in the presence of greatness, and I don't even know what I'm, what I'm sitting in front of. But are are you a guy who like, if you've been shown in four episodes, are there people who are like, you know, like an American Idol when somebody's like, I really like that guy, and then he's in here, and they they've got like this following. Like, do you have a following? Uh, I do. Yes. So I have like 6,200 on Instagram and then like 2,200 on YouTube. But, you know, le- okay, proud dad <laughs> moment. I mean, literally, he'll be walking through airports anywhere in the country and people will come up and be like, oh my gosh, could I have my picture with you? Are you, you? serious? Yeah, so I get airports a lot. I actually. That's crazy. I had some people at the post office come out, like chase me out of the post office because I buy and sell sports cards and I was shipping some out. And some people literally chased me out of the post office and were like, hey, Thank you so much for being an inspiration to, like, my kids. And you put Thompson Station on the map, which is a small town, right, out of Nashville. And they're like, thank you so much for being that guy for our town and doing this and being an inspiration for our children. All sorts of stuff. I get that locally. Right. I don't get airports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like like Nashville Airport or other airports? No, no, no. Like, I'll be in Vegas or I'll be in California and I'll get recognized and all sorts of stuff. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do. We're definitely getting a picture, and I'm, and I'm definitely putting it on eBay. And I'm de- yeah. No, no, I'm definitely tagging you yeah. when we promote this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah, it's fun for sure. And then you know you get to share the gospel, and uh, you know I was that's. G- sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask about that. So, like, obviously, this is exciting, um, and and I've known people who are Christ followers in different genres that are kind of big time. Yeah, football player right. or, or whatever. And um, 
you know, each person has their own understanding of their kingdom calling in that arena. So an example would be Kurt Warner. You, you're probably too young. Yeah. You know Kurt I know Warner. Kurt. Uh, so Kurt Warner was the guy who every single time he was interviewed, it was like glory to God, Jesus this, Jesus that. You know, David, you were talking about how sometimes you're in a setting where it's like I'm not preaching a whole lot. I'm right. not saying a whole right. lot. I'm living a certain way. That's right. And then when the door opens, I'll say something. Right. So d different people have different. I can think of another guy uh, who I don't want to say a lot about because I, I want to not identify him, but who is kind of a high profile athlete guy who would be more of a quieter, steady guy who's no less committed to the gospel and no less passionate about using his role for the kingdom, but he's just kind of discerned it to be different than Kurt Warner. Right? Yeah, if, if I can interrupt for just a second, this, I'll, I'll give a great example in a moment, but this kind of goes back to our fishing for men and knowing the bait, you know? Yes. Um, and he realizes if you say too much on a show on national television, you you're canceled. probably not going to get as much airtime and stuff like that. So you do weigh those things out. That's not a compromise of his faith because I've seen him yeah. do live things on YouTube where people are like, hey, are you religious, this, that, and the other? And he'll allude to things by saying, you know, if I won this money here, you know, I'd make sure I give, you know, a tithe to my church because that's what I believe in. And then I would help both hands, which is a ministry and all that. And that's it. That's yeah. all he says, but they know right away where he stands and they know he's still approachable and he's not berating them with his faith. It's more of a loving way of saying, this is how I live it out. Jesus, so. one of my favorite things Jesus commands his disciples is to be as, as shrewd as serpents yes. and as innocent as doves. That's right. So there's certainly some leeway that we have to discern how to be prudent so that we can be most effective in a certain circumstance. But talk about how you view right. your role for the kingdom, given this profile. Yeah, so I agree. It's like if you go into interviews on NBC and you just start preaching, you know, you're probably not even going to get aired, to be honest with you, right? Right. But it's more about how I interact with my friends who are not believers and around the crew members that are not believers yeah. and around all these people. So it's like if I fall and that's my dream, right? It's like, all right, I'm not going to go like – hit something or go cuss up a storm or anything like that. It's just real calm and like, you know, I know I have a bigger purpose in life and yeah, this sucks and whatever, but you know, they definitely see that, right? So like my mom got an email last year and she was like, she was thanking everybody for an, am an amazing season and all sorts of stuff. And the crew members uh, were telling the, one of the head producers that emailed my mom, they're like, hey, we want to thank your son and everyone and you as well for being so kind and generous and like our staff members are really drawn to Elijah and like how nice he's been to everyone and so that's more of where I see my calling is like yeah if I'm on YouTube or if I'm on something I'll definitely you know if someone brings it up I'll definitely be like hey yeah I'm a Christian all sorts of stuff um, but if the time is not right, I'm definitely not going to cram it down people's throats but I definitely feel like I've done a decent job like figuring out how to maneuver it for sure and I definitely have my friends that aren't believers who I'm really close to come up to me and be like hey like why don't you cuss why don't you all sorts of stuff right and they're yeah. you know then I get to share it um your mom is Asian is that right yeah she's somewhere 50% South Korean okay Mm -hmm. My brother, I have an adopted brother from Korea. That's awesome. So man. your grandma and grandpa are full Korean and no, full Caucasian? No, so my, my grandma is full Korean, and then my grandpa on my mom's side is just Caucasian. Okay. Yeah. 
we joke about him being a Mississippi redneck. Yep. You know, he served in Vietnam in South Korea, and that's where they met. And, wow. you know, brought yeah. her back over here, started their family. That's awesome. So I've also heard you allude to your mom quite a bit as it relates to your ninja stuff. Yes. Like, is she the one who primarily travels with you and she handles is. all this stuff? Yeah, and she's definitely the big... Like, I call her my momager, right? So she's the one uh, that, like, sets my schedules and does all sorts of stuff like that. She'll so be like, you got a deadbeat over here or what? <laughs> Pretty much. You know, somebody's <laughs> got to stay home and attempt to pay the bills, you know? You so. know what? I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but what you described, the momager thing, mm-hmm. reminded me of this. Luca Garza was a guy who played basketball at Iowa. He just graduated last year. He was the Big Ten Player of the Year two years in a row. And last year, he was the National Player of the Year. And his dad, Frank Garza, is basically his his manager. Right. He manages his NFT stuff, yep. manages, uh, and it's kind of a gatekeeper for him. And that's for a guy who's a college kid, like 22, 23 yeah, years yeah. old. He's in the NBA right now, plays for the Pistons, and his dad basically lives with him in Detroit in his apartment and is yeah. still kind of helping to manage that. And they've got the kind of relationship where that works. I mean, for some right. people that wouldn't work. But that's cool that your mom is willing to take on that role. and Absolutely, So yeah. everyone kind of goes through your mom to, like, get to you, like, schedule hey, listen, interviews. We, or, we, we had to go through big-time red tape to do this tonight through her, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she definitely, like, handles all of that for sure. Like, all the students I have, they definitely, like, communicated through my mom that they wanted to do that. Students you have. We haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. So I coach 20 – around 20 kids every week in my backyard so i have a huge oh you did mention that yeah so i have a huge ninja course in my backyard that me and my grandpa have built over the years because again he taught me how to build from a very young age so when i got into ninja warrior he's like well let's just build the stuff you see on tv anything you want to try let's build it is it legit it is yeah it's super awesome and like a lot of ninjas will come to my backyard to train with me in my backyard because it's like a lot like the show and there's a lot of rigorous training yeah in my we, backyard. we had one ninja from uh dallas come in last yep. week and trained do you switch it up or is it pretty much the I same do. i change everything a lot like really often just to keep it new and fresh and exciting and ninja is a sport where it's constantly evolving and changing and all the obstacles are always different so if your course stays the same or your gym stays the same you're, you just fall behind basically yeah so I remember your dad telling me something. Well, you were telling me about how there was something where nobody under the age of 19 had ever competed. On right. a, talk about that whole thing. Was that last season? Yeah, so before season 13, which was the last season that's aired, um, no one under 19 had ever been invited to compete on American Ninja Warrior for, like, legal reasons, they always said. Um, and so out of the blue, they called 33 of us teens. They call us teens because we're under 19. Yeah. Um, 33 of us teens and they're like yo you're going to compete on american ninja warrior and it's like what like you know because it's nbc like you don't make exceptions and it's like well we're making 33 of them and it's like all right cool and so uh we ended up competing last year but before that no one under 19 had ever been on american ninja warrior so there's a dude from cedar falls who opened the ninja gym Mm -hmm. named scott barons yep i know he was at least on once maybe twice i don't know but is he is he in something different than you, or is it the no, same thing? No, it's the same thing. American do you know him? Warrior, the show. Have I you do ever know heard Scott of him? Burns, yeah. Okay. And uh, his son actually got the call for American Ninja Warrior this year. So his son's actually. Young kid. He's right? really yeah, young. Yeah, I think he's I think he's four, 
15. Okay. 15. I think you have to be 15, so I think it's 15. So when you say you're competing on American Ninja Warriors, you mean like you're in a regional? No, like if I won the show, I'd win a million dollars just like everyone else. No, no, no. So it's like, oh, sorry, like when you get the call, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, all right, I'll just take you through the whole process Perfect, real quick. perfect. Basically, you send in a submission tape talking about, like, you, yourself, what's happened in the past year if you were on last season and all sorts of stuff. And it's basically just like, why, would, why are you on American Ninja Warrior? Why, would, why do you want to be on American Ninja Warrior? It's that kind of tape. And then you fill out a ton of questions, sign a ton of stuff, and then send that in. Then it's completely out of your hands. There's a casting team that goes through usually every year around 80,000 applicants. So around 80,000 people every single year apply for American Ninja Warrior. And so they go through each and every one of those, and basically they select the people they like, and then they give you a call. And they're like, hey, you're going to be on American Ninja Warrior Season 14 or whatever. And it starts out with, you said like 400 people in each region or something? Right, so it starts off with the casting. So that's like 80,000 people or whatever. Then it gets condensed to the four, 400 people that are actually going to compete on 400 on the whole show. Right. So when you say a casting, do I go to a casting or they just read my resume and decide? No, they read your resume and they watch your submission video, basically. But I don't go anywhere and do anything. Nope, just okay. at home. And uh, then basically you go in your region, they'll assign you a region. So four or 500 athletes out of the 80,000 are actually going to compete. Those other 75 or, well, 79,000 or whatever, they're just, they're not on the show. And so then basically those four or 500 athletes compete in qualifying. Then it gets narrowed down to something around like 120. So a ton get knocked out in the first round. Then after that, around 60 to 70 athletes actually make it to the finals. And that's where the four stages are where you can that's actually win. Right. That's where you can actually win the million dollars. Okay. So how far have you gotten? So last year I got to the very end of stage two. There's four stages. And so only four people last year cleared stage two to put that so in the concept. So you got to the finals. Right. And you got to the end of stage two of four. Right. In, so you were in, in the Vegas. finals. Yep. Yeah. So I made it to Vegas and then I cleared stage one, one step closer to a million. And then I fell at the very end of stage two, but I ended up getting ninth overall. I was going to say, so there were eight people better than you in last right. season. Yep. I mean, that's pretty remarkable, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an understatement. It's it's just, I mean, for your first year out, we were joking on the way up here. I was like, you know, are you nervous about anything this year? He's like, no, I feel pretty good. I think the the only thing that kind of makes me nervous is I set the bar pretty high last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Right. So it's definitely motivated me, though, because I'm the type of person that, like, well, I wasn't number one last year, right? So it's like it right. just keeps motivating me and stuff. And so. This year, I'm super excited to go out it and. Uh, so you probably know it. like all the top-ish guys. Right, we've all been friends since we were like 10 or 12, right? So are, is it guys are in their own category and gals are in their own category, or is it? No, right now we're all together, which is uh, it's actually an interesting debate, right? Because it's like yeah, girls just it's not necessarily even the strength factor; it's the power factor. Girls can't physically build up enough power to like be able to do some of the moves that we can. And so it's a big debate right now, like whether the women and guys should be separate. And I think on American Ninja Warrior, the TV show, they'll never be separate. Um, but I think in like the competition leagues outside the show, you'll probably start to see some divergence. And in the competition leagues outside the show, there are uh, boy and girl groups. So it's like boys and girls aren't against each other, but they run the same course. So I think in the future we'll have where they just run an entirely different course. Ah, uh, because mm -hmm. the obstacles are going to be 
harder right. or easier depending mm-hmm. on how you're built. Exactly. Oh, but let me tell you, man, those females, I, I wouldn't go up against them. They're <laughs> hardcore, dude. Well, you asked me, like, hey, you want to stop out at our place and go through his ninja course in the backyard? I was like, bro. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll all no. die. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Like, yeah. I would no. tear it every It is most. fun, though. It I believe fun. that. I believe that. So, uh, so like, what does the field look like uh, going into this year? Like, there's eight people that finished ahead of you. Right. So, are all eight of them coming back? Uh, have any of them had injuries? Um, I, I have Has your improvement outpaced the improvement of right. some of them what, what do you think so all eight are coming back i do all know i know all of them personally right because a lot of them are my friends yeah so like caden lebsack he's a 15 year old he's 16 now but last year he got last ninja standing this is another confusing part you have to clear all four stages to win and if no one clears all four stages there's a last ninja standing so no one cleared all four stages last year. And so Kaden, no one won a million bucks. Right. Caden was the last ninja standing at 15, and he won 100 grand. So he got first so, place. Right. He got because first place, but he didn't standing. win, right? So it's got, like... Got it, got it, got yeah. it, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, me you're, and Caden... You're really good at explaining this, by the way, for somebody who knows nothing. I, I, I'm <laughs> Thank impressed. You. Articulate, that. great vocabulary. <laughs> Thank keep, you. keep going. For sure. So me and Caden have been friends and competing against each other since we were like 11. Right, so like we were at World Finals together at 11 Where's years old from? competing in Colorado. Okay. So he lives in Castle Rock, Colorado. It's yeah. like 20 minutes south of Denver. Yep. So, um, but yeah, they're all coming back. And I think the interesting thing, uh, the interesting thing about Ninja is we can all improve a ton in a year, but we all say it's still just Ninja. And the problem is, is like it's such a high, like you can make a mistake so easily. And that's the problem that like, a lot of us face right it's like we know we can clear all four stages yeah we know we have the strength to win it all yeah it's just like putting it all together yeah to actually do it yeah totally so, you got to be flawless exactly that's the thing you literally have to be perfect six times in total there's six total courses to win the million dollars yeah. right so um you have to be perfect six times and we're in perfect humans so it's hard to do yeah amen so um I mean, winning a million bucks isn't the only potential revenue stream through this. Right. How else can you can you make money doing other like? Do they? You, you buy and sell sports trading cards. I do. Yeah. Do they have ninja ones? They do not. Not yet. Um, you I gotta feel... start that, bro. They're okay. So I'm gonna spill the beans. We yeah. are we are actually in the middle of putting out Ninja Warrior NFTs the end of April, first of May. Oh, yes. yeah. I'm the first one in this conversation yes. who mentioned NFTs. There you go. So, so I feel so, like I should get like a, a scoop on this thing or something. I'll give you the inside track. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's true, you know, and uh, it will have the identities of many of them that are on the show. And uh, who's doing this? You? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you know, us being the, the entrepreneurial overachiever types, you know, <laughs> it just makes sense to us, you know, and and also we want to find ways to help monetize these ninjas careers so that they're not working three jobs and then doing ninja stuff. It's like, Hey, let's figure out how you can monetize your your name and likeness and and your success. So you got to get connected with Frank Garza. I'm telling you what Luca Garza's dad. Yeah. I mean, he developed all this NFT stuff for Luca. And I know that everyone's doing that now or it's it's like growing and growing, but man, that's good stuff. Yeah, there's I, good stuff. His first NFT that he sold, I think, and he auctioned it off, 
and I think he had some actually real things with it, like a pair of basketball right, shoes that right, were signed right. and a whatever, and you get to come to my basketball camp or whatever. Yeah. Um, in addition to the NFT. Yeah. But I think it auctioned off yeah, for like forty five thousand dollars. Yeah, we're gonna Dang. have we're gonna have some really unique things about what we're doing with ours. I'll explain later. Yeah. Uh, but offline. you know, the beautiful thing is, uh, you know, we're kind of taking the approach of Elijah in his trading card business. Why are we not doing digital versions of trading cards and well, we're I was taking just that approach? That. Yep. That's yep. and you've got a an understanding of that world, so why not leverage that? Yeah, exactly, for sure. So there's a potential revenue stream. I mean, how else? Are, are there YouTube and uh, oh, YouTube's yeah. a big one, and then coaching kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of these ninjas are like heads of gyms, right? They're managers of big yeah. ninja gyms, and so they coach like a couple hundred students, which so is like crazy. Runners, track athletes, they get sponsored by like Nike or right. Asics or whatever. I mean, is there any like equipment sponsorships or any? Um, what am I trying no, to say? Like, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Not at the moment. I think the problem is is Ninja Warrior right now is a TV show, and then there's a competition league that no one sees outside the show, right? Because yeah. if I wasn't here telling you about it, you wouldn't even know it existed. No, I wouldn't. And so there's like, we're all pro athletes outside of the show, but just no one really knows that it exists. Is yeah, the it's like pro rowing or something like exactly curling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but obviously, if it's got a TV show, mm-hmm. I mean, rowing doesn't have a TV show. You right. know what I mean? And curling doesn't. So, yeah, yeah. so the star is rising. It is, for sure. ninja stuff. And I think definitely, it's like, it's kind of the problem that like the NFL had, right? So, I mean, like, you had players that played in the 80s and 90s who yeah. couldn't live off the NFL. Yeah. And it took the NFL hundreds, uh, about 100 years to where you could live off of being an NFL player, right? And yeah. So now they're crazy contracts. I mean... Patrick Mahomes signed the four hundred and fifty million dollar contract. And when? Stuff, but that, that was, was prior to this season. Yeah. Did Did you hear about Aaron Rodgers just the other day? I don't know what he. I know he's back in Green Bay. Four years, two hundred million. Wow, <laughs> fifty million a year. That's oh crazy. my heavens! So that's that insane. that means the gold Mahomes, standard. Right? Right. That's yeah. insane. So what you're saying is you're plowing the path, and someday some punk kid is going to be getting paid. Right. And here you are, like. <laughs> Can't rub two nickels well, together. Well, and, and it is very interesting. I mean, there is there are rumblings about does this become an Olympic sport in the next handful of years and stuff like that. So, so there is recognition of it being legitimate. And what does that look like? But it still is a little bit of the Wild West. It's yeah. it's a young sport, even though it's had fourteen or going on fourteen seasons on TV. That's crazy. And stuff like that. Has it been one season per year? Yep. It's one season per year. So it's been going for 14 years. It has, I mean, yeah. I can remember way back when it started, but it doesn't seem like that was 14 years ago. I right? know. And, and there's international versions. I mean, one of the guys is not competing this year, so we can do the one in France. You know, it's, it's like there are other shows throughout the world doing yeah. the same thing. So, I mean, what is the shelf life of a Ninja Warrior? I mean, how, what? That's, again, something we're trying to determine right now. Nobody knows because it's so new. Exactly. So right now you have us young guys coming in, the teens, that are kind of kicking the adults out essentially. Well, I was just going to ask about that because this kid, Cade whatever, or the kid who was first last year? Caden, yeah, yeah. Caden. He's a teenager. Yep. He's younger than you. He's 16 now. So how many of the top 10 were, like, under 19? Four. So – Four out of 33, so you have to do that, uh, the percentages as well. So only 33 teens were called, but almost 400 adults. 
and then four out of the top ten were teens. So, I mean, are the adults torqued off about that, or is it just the sport is evolving and that's the way right. it is? Uh, you have a you have a split, right? You have some that are like, y'all are too young to even be out here, and it's like, bro, I just beat you in this competition. What do you mean? Just because they're <laughs> yeah. mad. And then you have others that are like, nope, this is just how sports grow. Like, I'm excited to be a mentor in this. I'm excited to be a, a coach or whatever. And yeah. So you kind of have both sides of it. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. It so, is. So when you think about your future – as a competitor, I mean, what do you think? That's in kind terms of, a, of like timeline or, yeah. or shelf life? It's a great question. And I think I'm a very, like, I look to the future a lot with business, with anything. And so Ninja Warrior isn't the only thing I have going on, right? Like I run four businesses and all sorts of stuff. And so I think that's the good news for me, right? So if I only end up having like a five or six year career on American you Ninja blow Warrior, your shoulder out, right? Whatever. you never know. Um, I have other stuff going on that actually like, probably in the long term is better right for me to even put time into um but at the same time like if i had a 20-year ninja warrior career i also would love that as well and so i think that's kind of what i'm determining right now is like how many years am i going to put in the time to be the best at it and then like when is that going to like tamper off but i'm still going to do it what are these four businesses um so the main one is boss sports cards trading cards and all sorts of stuff so buying and selling football and basketball cards mainly um, and then the second one would be merch, my Lodge of the Boss Ninja merch line, which I know it sounds kind of like weird and stuff, but it actually does like really the, well. The what line now? Lodge of the Boss Ninja merch. So like my, oh, this is my actually clothing like brand. your stuff. Yeah, yeah for I sure. I saw that you both are wearing these boss hats. Of right. course. So that's course. like my brand. I'm trying to like. Is most, that Korean? It is. So it's South Korean. It says the boss in South Korean because that's wow. like my ninja name. Um, and so, like, all the other ninja kids and, like, all ninjas in general, really, they just have, like, one shirt, and that's what they sell. I kind of came at it as, at the idea as, like, let's make a clothing brand, right? Like, why not? Let's so, just check make- this out. I just thought of something. My, my brother is Korean. Yep. Adopted from Korea. Married a Caucasian gal. And so, I've got these nephews and nieces that are these cute little mixed race kids. Right. So I'm going to turn them on to this stuff. Please Absolutely. do. Yeah. They're going to be like, all of a sudden, they're going to be like, Elijah Browning's my hero. Yeah. Oh, ElijahTheBossNinja.com is where you can pick up some merch. That's good. So what else? <laughs> um, so then I also have a YouTube channel, which right now obviously isn't making too much because I only have a couple thousand subscribers. But the good news is, is like in years to come, that has the potential to do really, really well. We're going to link that in our show notes, by the way. Let's go. The, ElijahTheBossNinja.com. yep. ElijahTheBossNinja.com for merch, and then Elijah the Boss Ninja on YouTube and Instagram. You just got to keep it simple, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I play around with stocks and crypto and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. Crypto. And, let's uh, talk about that a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got some Bitcoin and some Ethereum. Let's go. And uh, it's like it was supposed to hit 100K by the end of the last year. We're, we're all tanked right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time to buy. <laughs> right? It is. It is. But I I've mean, been buying up like crazy, actually. Yeah. So. Buy the dip, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's another dip, and you got to buy that dip. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's right. So, David, obviously, none of this stuff he's telling you is new to you. You know all this stuff. No. As a dad, this is a 17-year-old guy, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so he's amazingly mature. Yeah. I'm impressed with how he carries himself, how he communicates. What are you, what are your concerns about potential pitfalls yeah. as he moves forward? So, you and your wife. I mean, you obviously talk yeah. about this. So I, you know, obviously every child is different. You know that. So with Elijah, you know, I often joke that with him, you know, 
he has outkicked his coverage. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, and and somebody's like, well, how do you parent? And I said, with Elijah, I'm one of those guys that uh, if you imagine the bowling alley when they have the little rubber bumpers, bumpers. that come up and and the ball hits the bumpers to keep it back in, I'm just there with him uh, to be to be a safety net because I'm I'm witnessing him making the right choices and the friends he surrounds himself with are godly people you know ones that are called to be pastors or you know who are going to do you know be crazy mathematicians but you know entrenched in the lord and stuff like that so and you know i've often told him until you give me a reason not to trust you yeah i'm, I'm going to trust you amen you know my son right now just to that mason jen and i are down here in nashville our two youngest kids we farmed out to the grandparents, yeah. grandmas, and Mason, our eight, 17 year old, yeah, he's senior, but he's 17, right. and Jillian, our 14 year old, are staying home alone. Yep, yep. Which to some people be like, oh, what? I know, what? they'd be freaking out. That's right, that's right. But well, it's like, yeah, I like mean, don't, don't give me any reason to regret this. That's right. Because I'll right. lock you down that's like right. harder than you've ever been locked down. <laughs> that's right. Well, and and the other thing is, and Elijah has told me this several times. He's like, Dad, I I have no desire to go drink or yeah. get into drugs or smoke because that ruins what I'm trying to build. Here, yeah. You know. So even just from a you gotta watch out for the ladies too. <laughs> yeah, and he's done a really good job of that. That's you good. know, He's like, there's time for that down the road. Amen. So, yeah. And the time will be great. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that that's awesome. Um, I was going to ask something else related to that. Oh, uh, each one of you, what what would be your prayer requests about all this? Like as a parent, and and then for you, for yourself, just praying. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I I get ready to film this next season. There's 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 two consistent prayers I have, and I pray in front of them because I want them to know it is uh, for their protection and safety, not only now, but in the future. Because, I mean, some of these obstacles are 30 feet off the ground he's doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's one fall and, man, you've, you've broken your hip or something, yeah. you know? Um, but also uh, that the Lord would make me the dad that I need to be for them. And I yeah. pray that in front of them because I want them to know I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. Yeah. We're brothers in the Lord as much as we are father's son. Yeah. And so my prayer request is that I can be the best dad for him and not stunt what the, the Lord has yeah. for his life and going forward. That yep. I'm, I'm, you know, The Lord will equip me so that I can equip him or give me the wisdom to know how to push him forward and and make you know you know help help him be exactly who the lord intended him to be and not not be like well you really shouldn't do that you should do this instead uh, hey i i have my life and my shot at what i'm doing yeah i'm not going to dictate what he's doing that's yeah. between him and the lord amen so. yeah i think mine would be that i can glorify god through this experience and whatever i do because you know, that's definitely something that I want to keep my focus on. I'm definitely going to try to accomplish a lot in this life and do some crazy stuff, you know, and some outrageous goals that I've set for myself. And so I definitely want to keep that focus on him. And so are you willing to name one of your outrageous goals out loud? I mean, I'd like to be a billionaire for sure sometime in my lifetime, but it's not just about making that money. It's yeah. more about like, I want to walk into an orphanage and just see all the kids and then be like, all right, there's a hundred families outside. Their adoptions are paid for, right? That's for cool. families that 
can't pay for adoptions and stuff like that's what i want to do that's cool um so yeah it's like it's making a lot of money but at the same time and like having right fun reason. with that right like i want to buy some lamborghinis and stuff like that because i love cars but at the same time like keeping it to where god's kingdom and god's purpose is at the forefront of that for sure yeah that's cool that's cool uh david i had another question for you oh do you you know you've been in the music industry and you've seen how fame and fortune can ruin people. Mm-hmm. You've probably got stories yeah. of people yeah. who you've seen ruined by that. Yeah. You've also got stories of people who've thrived in that. You know, when I interviewed Michael W. Smith, this is another plug for that interview, and people should go listen to it. He said something, and I said, you gotta write a book about this. He said, if I've done anything well, I think I've survived success. Yeah. Which is a brilliant that is concept. Huge. That is, he yeah. survived success. That's huge. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've got to have your radar up as a dad going, okay, this yeah. is a lot of attention. This is a lot of props. This is a lot of YouTube views. This is a lot of whatever. Right. Could be a lot of money. Right. Um, what are you doing yeah. besides praying uh, to help your kid? avoid that pitfall. That's, that's a great question. And, and it is, it is beautiful that I've been around enough folks and even in my own right had enough success. Yeah. You know, um, I, I've definitely had God call me on the carpet about, you know, my ego's getting inflated. You're getting too good at, you know, you're, you're getting all these opportunities. Yeah. I'm the man now, you know, right. they're putting me up in five-star hotels. Hey, I'm the man, you yeah. know, and God's like, all right, we're going to take you out of being the man for a while. How mm-hmm. about that? You know, so um, the thing that I recognize about Elijah and his successes is that it's wonderful to have because it will allow you, uh, afford you opportunities to achieve those goals that, that you have been birthed inside you. So I don't want to squash them. At the same time, I kind of want to be those bumpers so that if I find, hey, all of a sudden, well, I'll give you a great example. There was one night all of a sudden Renee and Elijah are at a competition somewhere and at like midnight or one in the morning Renee's phone call gets phone call from somebody in New York and it's some little girl who's tracked down Renee's phone number wanting to talk to Elijah so it's like okay there's those moments we have to protect in those situations you know it's cool that he's that well known it allow it affords him opportunities to to do the things that that he wants to do and accomplish for the kingdom and and stuff like that but there's those moments like that where it's like, okay, let's have a talk about this. So yeah. that, because some people don't have the best of intentions, yeah. you know, and, and all that. You know, be friendly, you know, again, you know, shred of snakes, uh, snakes careful as doves, yeah. you know, or, or as, as innocent. Soft, yeah, innocent as doves. And uh, that's, that's the whole thing is, you know, just, just you have to be cautious at every turn. You know, be kind to people. Yep. But realize not everybody has your best intentions at heart. So totally. that's what we're teaching. I love it. Yeah. So here's how I think we should close this. David, I want you to pray for Elijah. Yes. Would you do that? I will do and, that. And the reason I want is because we want to pray for Elijah, but we also want to model to dads. Like, it's not like you have to have some star. One yeah. thing I've realized in this yeah. interview is like, this dude's bigger time than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, love I love it. And so, I mean... But that's good. You need to have yeah. some people who aren't impressed with you in your life just to kind of keep you grounded, right? Right. right. No, <laughs> but, I'll... But model yeah. that for us yeah. and, and, and genuinely. And I would just say to our audience, like, man, follow this guy and pray for him. I mean, yeah. God knows that we need uh, more men of God 
in positions of influence because you look around you and it is a mess. Yes. And uh, what's cool is the Lord is faithful to preserve a remnant. That's right. And to give people who are part of that remnant influence for his name. And That's here's right. a young guy who wants to do that. And I That's commend right. you for that. Yes. And so David, go ahead and yeah. then we'll shut her down. And, and this is how I would normally pray for, for all my kids and, and especially Elijah now. Father, hang on, hang yeah. on. I just interrupted a prayer. No, I that's apologize. Great. <laughs> I, I, should, I should just give you a second to say something about your other kids because yes. th- that's one of the things that's challenging about this. It is, is. like You've got is. this kid who's like that's right. this huge profile. And so these other kids can be like, well, that's right. I'm just this little brother or sister who right. I'm nobody. That's right. Um, that's right. What would you yeah, say about yeah. that? Yeah, so my 12-year-old, Julian, is also a ninja warrior. And as a matter of fact, the first week of April, I'm taking him to national finals. He's uh, he's competing at the national level in that in one of the leagues that Elijah talked about. He's very good for his age, uh, 12. He's also very creative like me. So he's into movie making and, and drawing and, and stuff like that, you know, and and so I'm like, great, let's figure out how to equip yeah. you and I'll, I'll help you through the pitfalls so you don't have to go through what I've been through yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, Vivian uh, is our 12-year-old daughter. We adopted her from South Korea. Nine-year-old. Nine-year-old. What did I say, 12? 12. Yeah, she acts, yeah, she acts <laughs> like she's 22. That's what it is. I was like, 12, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> but she's a go-getter. Um, spunky as can be, I have no doubt she'll, she'll either be... Um, you know, a doctor or she'll be a World Wrestling Federation, you know, uh, you know, fighter. How or old was like she that. when she came to live with you? Uh, 15 months. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's been an incredible experience. The Lord has definitely uh, made it much easier than some of the other adoption stories we've heard. But she feels very loved, very included. Awesome. And, and it's amazing. And each one is incredibly different, but so uniquely gifted in their own ways. And, and it's just like, all right, Lord. Help me not to mess them up, but to only yeah. build them up so that they can be exactly what you need them to be. Well, I want to give them a little bit of time on this. Yes, uh, so yes. That's good. They're amazing. Go ahead and pray for yes, this guy. Yes, absolutely. Father, I thank you not only for this time. Lord, I thank you for Elijah. Uh, you have given him amazing giftings and planted a seed deep in his heart of what you want him to be. And I am thankful that at this early age, he knows the identity that you have given him. Lord, I pray that whatever he sees, talks about, writes down, puts into motion, walks to, uh, swings from, Lord, that you would bless all the days of his life. Lord, mm-hmm. I ask that you give him the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm-hmm. I ask that you give him the wisdom of Solomon, Lord. I ask that you give me wisdom and courage to stand in the place as a dad for him and not get in the way of the work that you're doing in him, Lord, but only to... Uh, be there as a safety net, to be there as someone who can encourage uh, and, and give me the resources that he will need to accomplish the goals that you have laid out in his life, Father. Keep him safe, keep him strong, let him always do everything for you to glorify you and cause others to see you through his life. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, thank you so much, guys, for your time coming yes, over sir. here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Blessings to you. And I'm going to be a Ninja Warrior fan. Yes, yes absolutely. At a minimum, an Elijah Browning fan. <laughs> That's what's up. All right. Thanks, guys. 
The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.